Hey everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Yes, hello and welcome to LOI Central. We have three episodes left over the course of 2022. We have the FAI Cup Final coming up on Sunday and that is going to be the centerpiece of the show. Today we're going to react to the news just in that Ollie Horgan's time at Finn Harps uh, has not ended and uh, maybe I'll chat about uh, another regime that is going on uh, indefinitely, it would seem. This it, it has ended, Johnny. What's that? You said it has not ended. Has not, Ollie this, Horgan's. This is, this is a bad start to the show from you. Ollie Horgan. To be honest, you're, do you know what happened there? Have you even introduced me? I don't even no. know if you have. No, but I this is Dan, by the way. People, regular listeners should be aware of this. Dan McDonald. Uh, generally correcting your mistakes. Uh, the regime of Ollie Horgan has ended. But did I, I say it has not ended? You did. And do you know why you said that? Because all you have is Galway United on the mind. Yeah, and regimes put- that you want to end. You're talking... I mean, I was at the Cup Final Media Day with you yesterday. Today's show, I'm going to tell people who's on it because you're just going to get confused and start talking about Galway United-related subjects. You were doing sterling work at the Aviv yesterday. You talked to Damien Duff, well, your I'm old buddy. You've been breaking <clears throat> stories now, Dan. I think um, oh, I'll, listen, I'll give it to so you. you. No, but you've you're broken so good stories this week. On the week of your on the week of your fortieth birthday, you spoke to Damien Duff, your old mate. We got to the bottom of the whole sleeping giant thing, sort of. Murray Higgins, your old mate. You didn't do an impression of him. Bottle yeah, it. I don't have to Higgins impressions, all right. <laughs> he said he it was shite. Yeah, he said it was better. Luke Byrne and Brandon Cavanagh as well. So top work from you, but. Um, that's that's what we're doing on the show. And we by the way, I should association. say, yes, yeah, we are in association with, and this being our third last show of the season, it wouldn't have been possible but for the help of future ticketing, Colour and Cuff, um, who I believe uh, are going to get a League of Ireland star calling over to uh, Decky. Yeah, in a couple of days, and, and it's not either of us. GDPR um, probably don't want to name who it is. Um, and the other sponsor that we're so thankful to is uh, the Porterhouse Brewery. And as Julian Canny was driving uh, us down to four of us in the car driving us down to Limerick for the uh, playoff on uh, Friday. He got a call on the in the car from an unknown number. He's like, who's that? And I said, I don't know, it's not coming up. And it was a fella delivering his bruise. And he's like, oh, at least I'll have something to console me. On the way home, already anticipating that going out, we're going to lose, which they did 3-0. Yeah, you mentioned that. Um, it's, it's, always you, go- it's always good to uh, appease fears that um, like the, all these competitions are won by mates, as you explained, that someone giving you a lift to a game got a call <laughs> to say their prize had arrived. Going uh, keep, out keep, one last keep, year. Keep, entering, uh, keep entering people. You, you can actually win. But um, yeah, Collar and Cuff, I should say, it is a, it is award season. And I believe they've... Uh, They've got some business off the back of our podcast coming up to the PFEI Awards. The the nominees are, are out today. Mm. Uh, we've got Rory Gaffney, uh, Cameron Dummigan, and Mark Connolly in for the main award. We've got um, Andy Lyons, Joe Redmond, and Phoenix Patterson in for the young player and uh, the various teams of the year and stuff. We, First you know, division. I was very impressed. Pat's put up a, can you name Joe Redmond in this pick from like 12 years ago? And uh, I picked him out. Just like that, before anyone did. Well, I mean, so given that across the year you've spent time outside Joe Redmond's house. Briefly. You now explain that you recognise childhood photos of Joe Redmond. That sounds a little I am bit. now starting to believe that you, you've actually gone into the house in your spare time. <laughs> Love you, Joe. Um, um, it's not you alarming. I mean, yeah, I mean, the cup, cup final, final week. Cup then. final is the story of the week, really. I mean, there's, there's other stories. We'll probably talk about some of them in the mailbag. Um, stuff for in the minimum wage, shells investment. Uh, we can probably deal with that there. Um, but Del Boy and I got to see Dylan on, on Monday night as well. Del Dylan McGlade. Was Dylan McGlade? Bob Dylan. Yeah. Uh, Dylan McGlade. I've seen him uh, perform on occasion. 
Dylan found a hit McGlade found a shot He's Yeah Dylan McGlade He's always entertaining Anyway as was Dylan On Monday night So yeah we've lost To get through Dan Delvoy again Is our producer I mean It's worth pointing out That Johnny There are other people uh, listening to this other than the three of us in the room it's always mm. important to remember that um, but it, my, my whole point was that the media day yesterday um, it's a bit like that sort of uh, what's that Simpsons one was like old man shouts at cloud and I'm not saying this because you're 40 this week but you were sort of walking around uh, shouting at a cloud about John Caulfield to everyone I think you, you were speaking to Damien Duff about it you were speaking to Rory Higgins about it pretty sure you were speaking to Aviva Stadium Security about it um, I'd say there's taxi drivers around Dublin are thinking Who's this guy who comes in and he wants to talk? What's going on with Caulfield? There was an FBI staff member you were... Um, I was I was asked, so I wasn't, I, I wasn't like volunteering information, like kind of some, some mad lad, like uh, like you're one in the Simpsons throwing the cats at Lisa. It wasn't like... I was, I was offered... I was asked about going... Do you want any cats? Um, no, no. You know, the, the you cat lady. Could. Yeah, yeah I, I was never... When I was younger, I saw uh, our beloved cat, White Slippers. Um, I saw her literally play with a mouse that she was about to kill for what must have been a couple of minutes. I was like, why the are you cat, doing this? Cat's so I went off was, cats after that. The cat's name was White Slippers. White Slippers, because she'd white, like, soles of her feet, you know. It's very, it's a, that's sort of like a, a name that a celebrity would give their child. White Slippers, like that's, yeah. Was that, was that not a name one of Bob Geldof's children? <laughs> <laughs> Pixie White Slippers Geldof. Um, but, uh, yeah, because so it was like, why are you being, like... Um, why are you being so hard on the mouse? Just eat the bloody thing. Just playing. She was playing with it, like she was letting Taunting it go, the mouse. letting it go, and then kind of grasping it again. And I was like, just so they're they're so sadistic cats and so so utterly intelligent. I've gone for the more doleful dog in life. That's a fascinating character insight. Having played football with you, because you always go for the first time pass, the first time shot. It's a bit like advising white slippers. Your elaborately named cat. Just, like, just go for it. Like sometimes it's good, Johnny, to put a foot in the ball. Pause mm. and savor a moment. Mm. You know that's what you have to do. Savor Dylan on Monday night. Pause, as Dale pointed out there. Mm. That was Pause. not. That was not. That was not. A this is a terrible pause. start. To the show. I just, just that's just, a matter of opinion. I, I, just on the on the John Coffey thing, he has like um, his year left in his contract. He's if I were him, I'd I try and hold on in there. But you know, I don't know if we want to talk about this now or later. Like. So, this is six successive years of the first division for Galway United with, with a very big budget and, and it's just grim. No, I know, listen, I, slightly, I mean, it is I, depressing. I, I slightly get better here, but I mean, it is a club that is underachieving. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And particularly when you go full-time, bit of a, you know, a bit unfortunate that you end up doing that at the same time as Cork and Waterford ended mm. up in the same division. And this is my point. I mean, as we, as we just about recording here, Oli Horgan is gone. Like what are Finn Harp's going to be like next year? Um, who knows? Uh, uh, who will come down or not? Will it be UCD or Waterford? Okay, let's just say Waterford win. I'm sure UCD are used to everyone hearing this scenario. If Waterford win, there'll only be one part-time club. If Waterford, and everyone's almost talking about Waterford winning. UCD could win. It's 50-50. But, but, really. but it, let's just say Waterford do win. Mm. Well then, and, and I mean, this minimum wage stuff is very significant. Um, you know, even the minimum wage for part-time professionals and so on. What's that going to mean for the the spending that the likes of Bray do or Longford? Totally. Gary Cronin's left Longford. Um, Bray, interesting to see what happens there. Um, might deal with that in the mailbag as well. Um, so there's a, a scenario where Galway are by far the best resource team in the first division next year and yes. should go up then. And I suppose if you're a manager under pressure, do you look at this and say, well, lads, next year I'm not going to have to deal with a Cork. Next year, I'm not going to have to deal with a Waterford um, if that scenario comes to pass. Um, I'll get us up. And that's, I mean, uh, a treaty. 
you know, the Treaty, Cove, Wexford, Athlone, you're sort of looking at this going, yeah, like the next year should be your year, but it's it's a case of um, do you trust someone with the reins for, for that? But I mean, What about the following year? Well, I think where you're at, Johnny, you want to get to the Premier Division and then do yeah. cross that bridge. When that was that it. was fine, but if if the, I think John, it'd be Coffey's great if you had the. If it'd be unfortunately, you're talking about you know successive years in the first division. It's a luxury for you to be talking about the style of football you'd like to play in the Premier Division. I understand what you're saying, um, but uh, like next year, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm playing devil's advocate a small bit. I understand where the anger comes from. You know, you see the fans sort of the response. I think some of the signing stuff this season seems very erratic. You know, signing players and then they're out of favour very quickly. Um, it's all a little bit odd. Um, I, I've spoken to play, I've spoken to people who wouldn't <clears throat> wouldn't normally see us play and watch the either the Waterford game or the Longford game and were commenting about how bad the quality was. Like that was a good game by our standards. Both of them were actually good. Were awful to watch. I think he signed according to Julian Kenny, he signed thirty six players. But in fairness he, he actually did the he's uh, he did those research before the he signed thirty six players, right? Um None of the players really is coming up from the academy at all, bar Alex Murphy. Forget about that, who's like one of the best players we've ever had. And even if they do come in, the style of football is so sceptically bad. And like it was, it was sad to see on, on Friday night. He was going off like a bottle was thrown at him. He was essentially booed by a lot of the crowd, kind of clapping whilst he, he wasn't able to look the crowd in the eye because... You know, it's, it's embarrassing and that's hard to deal it's with. Tough, yeah. where, where is the board now? That The board that like sacked Shane Keegan, that sacked Alan Murphy, that sacked uh, Tommy Dunn. Well, like, sorry, John Coffey said when he got the job, absolutely judge me at the end of next season uh, if we don't get promoted. That was last season. We've had another go at it and we failed again. Watford didn't even play that well and we lost 3-0. And it's horrible to watch. I pay like 25 quid a month into the co-op. I've done the match programme for the last 8 to 10 years. And like going to events like yesterday, Dan, are, it's actually quite depressing because like the, the, the Premier Division is another world at this stage to go United. It's it's like something I, I, cannot, I can't relate to. If we did get promoted, which part of me didn't even want us to get promoted, we'd have been an embarrassment the way we play. An absolute embarrassment the way we play. And somehow the board can't see this so I don't want to go to games next season I'm done with the club as it is now I'm certainly not watching this team again genuinely I mean that I'm done I'm, I'm done with this because if the club is going to be run in and the sense that it is that Luke Homer is calling the shots he was a name checked by John Caulfield with uh, John Fallon after the game and the saddest thing is all these really good academy players are just never going to get the chance to play proper football for their home city so while you're, the you're telling the Comers with their like money we don't want you here no, but we certainly don't want Luke Homer deciding who, who our manager is. He should be guided on who our manager is. But do we not have a democratic board making the call here? Who's making the call? Because it's quite obvious the fans have turned on the management. Um, it's quite obvious it's not working, despite all the resources. Catastrophic failure after three seasons, really. For, forget about the first season. The last two have been really disappointing. And I know it's it's hard to say this, but like regime change is absolutely necessary. I can't watch this rubbish anymore. I'm not going down to Galway seeing like young careers being pissed away because of our regime that's it as far as I'm concerned I don't even know how to respond to that I mean that was that was, that was unbelievable that's what it is though like in fair enough I've talked to people at the Viva Stadium but like I'm going to the cup final um, and it's it's another world like we're, we're miles away from it 25 years down in sports club we've won nothing and we're further away than ever can't, we can't even win a first division so there we are yeah. what else is going we're on not technically further away than ever the more ways improved that's yeah why. you're actually closer but I mean, the, the the I don't know. I mean, it seems to me like the Comer takeover is probably a very positive one. Um, 
owners you know, they, they learn the job as it goes on I think I think I think I'd be interested to see where the backlash the response goes and obviously in the moment people it's all about raw and it's a bit um you know it's it's difficult um you kind of would think that people who've made their money might step back as well over a period of time and have a look at things and, and listen to people and see uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see where you are on the first of january you know and who's in charge and what's actually happening there like in in the aftermath of do your worst result of the season isn't generally a great time to make a decision and um, i'm not saying you, you may not end up with the scenario that you you fear but um i understand where your anger comes from this is not a Golden Night podcast. Just, just point, this Higgins, is not a Golden Night podcast. I, I, I was talking to him like before we did the interview. After that, okay. Said, this okay. Is, I said this is a big job at Golden Night, and he's like, he was like, absolutely, this is a big job. The Golden Night job is very attractive to even the likes of Rory Higgins can see the potential of Galway United, and it's 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 very very it's it's hard just year after year after year down of failed hopes and acceptance of mediocrity, like absolute mediocrity, and the horrible style of football we play every week. If you want to watch a good Galway United team, watch one of the underage teams. Forget about the senior team. Anyway, Damien Duff, Johnny. Speaking of Aww. speaking of Damien Duff, interestingly on this pod, uh, on this interview, he speaks about anger. He speaks about sometimes needing to calm down. I had no, no, I had no idea what he told everyone else. So Damien Duff had done like eight interviews at this stage. So I don't know yeah. if he was going over all ground here. So what, what, did, you, you, what follow, did you make of it? All? As he said, he spoke a little bit about anger, about calming down, about being emotional, about mm. getting caught up in the moment. Um, did you identify with that? I don't know because... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just still reading from that that Galway United outburst. It was some good content though. But Damien Duff and Johnny, is this the reunion that we wanted? I mean, ultimately, you remember at the start of the season, you were you were hoping that maybe at one point he might know your name. I think he knows more than your name now. He even referenced that you know he. He referenced to you uh, beforehand. I think Joey O'Brien maybe listens to podcasts and keeps on top of things. Does that come up in the interview? It I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but let's listen to Johnny and Damien Duff. So you are talking about Joey O'Brien, and um, I, I've mentioned him a few times in the sense that uh, you get a lot of the publicity, but like he has obviously been a massive part of this. Yeah, well, listen, uh, um, he's obviously a massive uh, football and name here. He had an amazing career over in England. What? kids only dream of and uh, I hardly knew Joe um, he was probably always injured I was injured um, so we wouldn't have hardly I'm not sure even how many games we played together I think we played Sweden maybe home Steve Staunton's first game mm. but outside of that didn't know him uh, heard a lot about him so the minute I got asked for the gig uh, to do the gig just wrecking my brain spoke to a few people that knew him yeah speak to Joey so in the end I met him Chatted for hours. Uh, love him already. Um, passionate lad. Passionate, yeah. And sometimes he doesn't even have to speak to show that passion. He just has that piercing stare that I think rattles a lot of people. Uh, but amazing football brain. Uh, amazing detail in, in in everything he does. And listen, even outside of football, I'd, I'd like to think I've become incredibly close uh, to him already. Um, who says you can't make friends later on in life? So uh, on and off the pitch, he's been an absolute dream. So um, listen, we've signed some good players. No disrespect to them. Joey's been the best signing. Um, when you're on about like drinking a glass of wine in the south of France, like which did I say? That? I, I think you were saying like I was drinking a glass of red wine in the south of France, and I was thinking about getting been off the job and what will I do? And I've done that, had that glass of wine in the south of France. It's very enjoyable. <laughs> and like, do you know what I'm saying? Like if you if this went wrong. 
this is your first job in management. Was that pressure there? It's like, if this goes wrong, or were you fully confident that, no, this will be okay? Oh, I wasn't fully confident. I'm always, that's what drove me as a player, fear of failure. And uh, yeah, I guess it would have been my first and last job. Here, it still could be. Um, let's be honest. But um, I'm just thinking about the last wine in the south of France, I think it was last October, November. Yeah. Someone probably wasn't out. Never make a decision when you're uh, drinking. That's one of my <laughs> mottos. So I obviously came home, sobered up for three or four days, and then made the decision, which was no. I said no because I was scared. I didn't back myself. Andrew Doyle chased me, Dave O'Connor, and you know, in the end, I just had to take a long, hard look at myself because, you know, I always preach maybe to players about courage and being brave, and even telling me kids, you know, you can do anything in life. Whereas I couldn't really look at myself in the mirror and go, you know. So uh, I had to take it. But if had you hadn't take. taken it, where would you be now? Uh, I said a barista at the time, yeah. didn't I, when I get to South? Here. Not a bad uh, job. No, no, no um, I'm not very good at it. I'd be worrying because, not to get all serious, but you know, when you do retire football, you become institutionalised. Everything's done for you. All you think about is football and sleep, maybe. And uh, that's why a lot of players run into trouble, honestly, when they retire, where to be gambling drink, drugs, anything. Buzz uh, is gone, like. Yeah, it's not the buzz of me. It was always the focus. That's the number. Mm. I remember Paul O'Connell saying it. he missed the 24-7 focus. And when I heard it, I was like, that's me. I don't miss the roar of the crowd or that was the name of Brian's documentary on it, which was very good. Yeah. I don't miss that or doing this, media aunt. It's the focus. That's what I am. I'm just focused. That's me. So that's what I missed. Um, so are, are you to, like- to, that was probably one of the main reasons for taking the gig as well, you're like, Duffer, talking to myself yeah. here, Duffer, you don't take this. You know, you could be in trouble here, big guy. You need to be doing something. Yeah, here, what was it? The saying, an idle mind, something mm. like that. Uh, absolutely, and when you're a footballer, it's absolutely 24-7 focus, but uh, being a manager is a totally whole new level. How have you enjoyed it? Uh, Enjoyed it in a strange way. I've mm. been incredibly angry at times. You've probably seen animated, emotional. Uh, I've probably cried this year, I think. Uh, I've probably burnt out. I've probably broke down once. Uh, mm. <laughs> you don't need to know the ins and outs, but I work too hard, I honestly do. And I think it was about six, seven weeks ago, it just came to it. <laughs> maybe a hilt where I was like, Oof, you need to calm down here. As in, maybe a little mini, uh, you know, take a step back and go, so uh, I've tried to maybe come away from 24-7 focus and I'm down to maybe 17 hours a day. Well, you have a family and you've got to have a life as well. I know, yes, and I, I've tried to really address that. So even mm. going out for the kids, bring them out for, you know, just like a few games of pool and uh, then there's the star and Bray. Bray ball, very exciting last night and bring them around Elephant Castle, a few chicken wings, just me and them and... Uh, whereas maybe eight weeks ago I wouldn't have took my eyes off my laptop um, and it's not right um, you know, football I do treat it at times like life and death but it's not the, the meaning of life is your family isn't it so uh, I've maybe had to kind of address that the, on the football side but you're, you're sound ba- very deep today you're very it? deep oh. uh, you're giving me gold here um, well, on the football side but your battles against Derry have been compelling in the sense that like they've been sort of uh, from looking away, they've been, there's been one goal between you. They've been, you won at the Brandywell, lost twice at home. Probably killed their title hopes, and you know a lot about them. Yeah, you can always know more. That's probably mm. why I'm uh, 24-7. Looking at, <laughs> looking at them 24-7. Uh, listen, you're, I'm back to 24-7 the last couple <laughs> of weeks because there's a cup final at stake. So, uh, 
But uh, yeah, listen, we know that's the beauty of the Irish League. By the end of the season, you probably don't even need to do a team meeting with the guys. Round three, round four, they're probably thinking, here's Duffer again. Give them the same old meeting, same old detail. Listen, we know each other, let's be honest. Mm. Um, they've been interesting games. A couple of them, you'd say, semi-flat games. I think there are Monday night games in Tolka. We haven't been great on Mondays. So thank thank God the game is on a Sunday, yeah. the cup final. Um yeah, they've been all tight games, and I expect no different uh, on Sunday. Like the Cone brothers say that if 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 one of them spots something that's wrong in a scene, the other one will instinctively know exactly what he sees is wrong as well. It's like they're in unison. Are you and Joey like that, or do you see different things that? Well, Derry are this, Derry are that. We're this, we're that. Luke Byrne was talking about how he's improved and the defense has improved while it's in possession and little things like that. Do you, are you on the same mindset, you and Joey? A million. Uh, Absolutely, in everything we do, uh, obviously the emotion, the love of the game. Um, I'd be an anorak, he'd be an anorak. And listen, I have to mention the rest of the squad. Skins, Mero, the fitness coach, Browner, the physio, uh, Quinner, Davey Mack. Um, so organically, I think it's just happened. You know, incredibly, everyone talks about the togetherness of maybe the fans, maybe the team, but the, the staff are mm. as one as well. But yeah, Joey, we see the game exactly the same way. Them initial chats, um, absolutely. It was a conscious effort. I wanted to play a back three. He did. How we coach, what we see. When we're having chats on the touchline, there's never been an argument or, uh, you know. And the beauty about Joe, the one thing that why I really wanted him, because I knew if I was speaking nonsense, he'd tell me. And for me, that's important to be questioned by your staff and uh, don't ask how many times I've been speaking nonsense this year and Joey's uh, questioning me on it but no listen if I but he, he does that without ego he's just that's who no, he is it's, like. yeah it's the beauty it's just uh, the beauty of him I guess and um, so yeah if I say something he disagrees we'll have a chat um, and the rest the same with the rest of the, the staff Like, but no we absolutely see the game the, the same way and that's why it's worked so well and just finally like you, you've had great days as a player and we've, we, we, know, we know that like in we almost expect gold from you when you talk about how much you love shells. But what would it mean on Sunday when, or, or do you even know how it's going to feel like when you walk out and you see like this is my team and I've gotten them here so far? Yeah, listen, it would be number one of my sporting career by a mile. Even that sounds it, mad, like do you know what I mean? It doesn't to me yeah. when you know, I guess, and that's without even knowing the outcome. So walking the team out on Sunday. Standing here, listening to the national anthem, and I'm the manager of a League of Ireland team. That's before even the cup has been won. It's number one because, and I'm sure people have gone, when I said it after Waterford, oh, you've just won four games, son. What are you getting? Mm. I know it's four games to get the cup final. That's not the, it's the journey. It's the process of, I didn't want the job. I was scared. <laughs> um, I didn't back myself. That's why it's the pinnacle, because I have done something that I absolutely never planned on doing. Mm. I'm so far out of my comfort zone that's why it blows everything away whereas playing at the Aviva playing at Stamford Bridge going to the new Camp that was me whereas this you could say isn't me that's cool uh, um, so shells are a giant not a, not a sleeping giant yeah. that, you've that uh, a it's been such a long and arduous season I'm not sure what I said anymore but I know you're <laughs> you know always quick to say did he say this did I say a giant here let's be, let's be honest <laughs> They're a bloody big club. I was, I've was, i always been a football and snob. I, 
say that about myself I never would have watched Championship Division 1 the League of Ireland when I was over I just watched Premier League and Champions League um, so but I always knew I knew I know what a big club is so Shells big club Bowes Rovers whatever they're an absolute joint you can pull me up and sleep and whether or not here we can't be sleeping that Sunday at 3 o'clock I absolutely know that we're in a cup final so all I'll say on that is I know I said to you at the opening of the league was it? long time ago uh, long time ago they're a bloody big club and they're back where they belong BBC thanks a million thank you very much so there we go I mean I, I think um, like there's no doubt that uh, I, I like the line about being a football snob when he was you know, mm. he was younger and this is why like this is such a big deal for him I don't think people People are, are skeptical of this line he says about this, this being the pinnacle of his career, and you know I've got a few messages from people about it, and they probably think, oh, here we go. It's sort of, I don't know, it's like showing off to the cameras or showing off to the microphones or whatever. But I don't know. You hear the stories about some of these team talks they're doing, people emotional in tears before games, and like, uh, I mean, I would obviously cover Damien Duff as a player, you know, and. Like he, I mean, he he very rarely did interviews. When he did, it was sort of shrugging and you know, all this thing about Duffer. Oh, he's asleep, and you know, this was mm. this was part of his uh, the the way people would speak about him, as though he was like uh, he he was this person struck with the fortune or misfortune of being really good at this game, but like he's getting all this uh, all this hassle and this noise, and yet now, like you hear about this like incredibly intense character and, and how he's consumed by it. And like very honestly, they're speaking about like probably burning out, you know, like having a proper sort of burnout like six, seven weeks ago, a mm. reckoning where he realizes that everything, uh, you know, everything, like he's probably losing perspective of, of sort of time oh, management. Like, and like yeah. people, I mean, a lot of people who work in any sort of industries would probably can relate to that. Like work can sort of take over your life and, and, you sort of lose your ability to sort of switch off. So I think there's actually a real sincerity in that, which would lead me to not doubt the sincerity about some of the other statements. Maybe in the moment it feels like, you know, mm. it feels like the biggest thing in his life. Maybe he might in 20 years time, 25 years time, might could step back and look at the whole and, and maybe not have that view. But I firmly believe that he's sort of living every minute of it. Um, with Joey, uh, with Joey, yeah, and I, I like you know you sort of went on that team that is sort of the the duo. It's the it's the pair of them together. They weren't like people just assume with the Rex internationals, but you know they know each other, but they didn't really know each other. Mm. Um, and it's true, like they've built up this sort of unity and, and bond in that group. And um, I mean, uh, like it's it's it's. An interesting final. Interesting. I mean, it's a word we use, but I think it's well placed here. I, 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 I back Derry, but the more the closer it gets, the more worried I am because like shells have done well against him. The league, the Diallo suspension down. I mean, yeah. So let, let, let's actually go to your chat with Rory Higgins before we maybe go into the nuts and bolts of the game. What's it like being here now? Like, are you kind of envisaging what this place be like with thirty odd thousand on Sunday. Oh, it's it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing venue, amazing arena. Uh, I've been here obviously as assistant. Uh, we done talk in 2019 against Shamrock Rovers, so I've experienced uh, what it's like on the sideline, uh, which will be great. But uh, nothing will compare to leading the team out as manager. Uh, be an extremely proud moment. Uh, my family, I'm sure, will be extremely proud, and, and ultimately that's what it's about. It's about making people closely very proud of your achievements. When you left the Ireland job, was there ever a doubt in your head, like when the Derry job comes up, I have to take this? 
No, well, obviously I had to have a conversation with, with the chairman and, 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 and the board about what direction that the club wanted to go in. Once I knew the direction that they wanted to go in, then it kind of uh, made me a decision for me. Derry's a big club. It's a mad football town. It's a religion up there. Um, at the minute, you see kids walking around. There's more Derry gear than any other gear walking around, which is unique. Um, and it gives you real pride uh, as the manager to see that. Um, but once, going back, once I had spoken to the chairman and realised the direction that the club wanted to go in, we've had the period without silverware, without competing, has been too long, and and hopefully we're we're on the road to changing it. Uh, you you called me out actually when I was on about the best atmospheres in the game because I did mention the Brandywell, which is an oversight obviously, and it is a special place. Uh, it's an oversight because you actually have to uh, go through the toll bridge to get up there, and and and. and People mightn't uh, do that too often from the from from, from this be, part of the world. Yeah. Uh, I'd say you've been to the Brandywell once in in, in five or six years. Well, so I'm a Galway United fan. No, I know, yeah. but you're asking me about the atmosphere in the Brandywell. You wouldn't know because you don't go there, and not many do go there. So um, it's an amazing place to play football. We know uh, we're isolated from the rest. We're we're a unique football club in that sense. But we, we, we have the people at Derry behind us and, that, and that's all that matters. How has management been? Um, has it kind of been what you expected or is it more full on than you expected? You even like feeling texts or whatever about something else there and you're like, Jesus, never ending. Hi, management. Uh, it's especially a club like Derry when there's one, one club in the city, it's, it's full on. Uh, the people at Derry are so passionate. There's a real connection there at the minute between the players and the supporters and, and um, it's amazing to see there's real excitement around the city. Uh, as I said, there's Derry City gear everywhere you look. Um, it's amazing, but it's full on. Uh, some days you just want to lie in a dark room uh, and then some days there's real high. So, um, no, it is what I expected. Uh, there's loads of ups and downs, and, and uh, I suppose it means that you enjoy the ups more because you've experienced the downs. And, and um, the last 18 months has been fantastic. So much learning, uh, so much learning involved, and, and and we'll get better as a result. Were you disappointed the title challenge fell short? Aye, well, we were in a really, we put pressure on right until the last few weeks. You went on an outstanding run. Ah, we, 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 we won nine domestic games in the spin. We went on a brilliant run. We, we ran out of a bit of steam towards the end. But ultimately, the draw against Shelburne at home was probably the final nail in the coffin. Um, what was that? That was four, three, four games to go. So mm. uh, that Mathematically, it wasn't, but it, it was really. And, and um, from really from when we drew in Sligo, when the league was out of reach, or full attention, attention naturally, as any manager would do and, and any coaching staff would do, is you turn your attention to the to the cup final and sharing minutes and making sure the people are, are in peak condition going into the final. So how does Diallo get suspended? And that must be like I couldn't believe when I heard that because I, I think he's such a vital player as well. Uh, he he uh, has made a, a huge impact. Sadu's 23, but he's relatively inexperienced because if you look at the the amount of senior football. Uh, that he's played, he hasn't played a lot, so he'll learn from. It's a real harsh lesson. Uh, he had a lot of his family coming over, uh, biggest game of his career, but he's now not able to play in it. He's been he's been outstanding for us. He's he's a real talent. Um, but 
we uh, we adapt and, and, and we uh, we find a way and we have a good group of players here now who can who can more than deal with. Are you worrying worried that you've scored once in your last four games? Not really because uh, if you I know stats can whatever, people can look into stats whatever way they want, but we've had large control of the games, we've been more chances, more shots and goal. Uh, it's not like we're not creating chances, so if we weren't creating chances, that would be a worry. And as I said, once the league was out of reach, our full attention changed. Don't get me wrong, you won't eat one games of football. We're, I'm not, yeah. I'm not disputing that by any stretch. But uh, we, um, our priority is the cup final, and, and and the fact that we're creating chances, I have no concerns whatsoever. Jamie McGonigal has scored, I think, in three year cup games. Yeah, he's. Uh, He's had a probably a dryish second half of the season, but he scored in he scored in the cup games. Um, he's played in cup finals in the north, a couple of them. Uh, so he's got good experience in that. Um, but we we uh, we have a lot of good forward players and um, different games suit different players. So uh, listen, we'll see on Sunday what what team we pick. Um, but we're really looking forward to it. It's a, an amazing occasion and. Um, They'll be fanatical dairy support travelling in their numbers, which is great. Uh, aye, so something we're really looking forward to. Just on Chelsea, the, the four games of the league has been like one goal between you. Now you've probably had in terms of XG, I'm sure you've been well ahead, but like they seem to have found a way to sort of almost neutralise you. Aye, well we, we, we won two in Tolka, we drew one in the Brandwell and and, and uh, lost one in the Brandwell. Our first the one we lost in the Brandwell, the first half performance is one of our best of the season. We didn't punish them and we were well on top. We, we should have been getting in two or three up at half time. And we we got done in the second half. Um, but we, listen, we're, we're, we're delighted with the progress we're making. Shelburne are a really good side. They've, they've put it up against uh, ourselves, Rovers, Dundalk all throughout the season. They're a difficult team to beat. They're well coached and they've got good players who know the league. So um, we're under no illusions that it's going to be a really tough game. Uh, but again, we'll be hopefully really well prepared coming down here Sunday. Best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, Rory Higgins, who um, he 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 probably won't mind me saying this. He he did object to the fact like they had to come from Derry for an eleven a.m. Um, you know, uh, but Brandon Cavanagh and Brian Maher didn't. I mean, he brought two Dublin yeah, players. Yeah, but, who but were he, you know, he 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 does. I think Derry definitely have. Um, and I certainly think. Shells probably have a bit of this as well. There is a bit of a siege mentality there, um, siege of Derry and all that. There is a bit of a siege mentality in that he had a pop at me, um, obviously for never, as you see there, for never going to games. Now, I don't get paid to go to games in Derry or even Oriel, for example. I, I get paid to go to games in Dublin and I'm not on the beat to the extent that I can go to games regularly. But he probably says, "Well, the Dublin media don't even come up to." Oh, there was games. there was a, that, that underlying tone was there. I mean, <laughs> as, as I'd love, I mean, I mean, I'm not revealing trade secrets here, but I mean, I would love to go to Derry every every uh, two weeks. In fact, most of the Dublin media would. But um, I mean, it's the cost of expenses that would be mm. the reason that we don't get to go that often. It's yeah. the same with Cork. It's the same with everywhere, and you get the job everywhere. Oh, Dublin media, you know, we never see it. Trust me. I mean, it would be better for us if we were doing that more mm-hmm. regularly. But the problem is. Uh, the cost associated with that, and also, um, and as I said, like Derry, and this it feeds into the sense of um, isolation that they can often feel within the League of Ireland. But I mean, I, I know even in my place of work as well, there'd be a discussion of well, how many newspapers do we actually sell in Derry, where they have like a very vibrant sort of local media. A lot of people read their stuff there. Yeah. They're not necessarily um, buying some of the Dublin papers to read their stuff. But as a result, then. Uh, you know, you track your figures, you track your data, 
there might be an argument that we shouldn't be doing as much on Derry. And like that's, and then it, 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 like it's interpreted from their end as like you know, some sort of snob or, you know, you never come to see us, you never want to come and see us. As I said, I bloody love to be going there all the time. Mm. But um, Great city. There are, there are reasons and it's nothing to do with a, a lack of respect or a lack of interest. That's just, uh, that's rubbish. But I mean, I'd tell him that. But I mean, he's, he's doing his have to do your thing like as the as the manager of a of a of a club where people will respond to that language you know they really, comments from they really feed off it. As well. yeah and i mean the dialogue thing is 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 like is is not really i mean you can argue the rights are wrong of the rule you can argue the rights are the wrong of the, of the the decision to a point but like every player before the game knew exactly um Interestingly, like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that next year amongst the changes that are coming to the league, another change that is coming in is that players are going to be able to appeal red cards, mm. um, which is something you actually can't do at the moment. Like, you, mm. you could, you know, you, you could have a sort of a blatant, uh, blatant mistake, like something dreadful and you can't appeal it. You have to serve an automatic one-match ban. That's been changed, um, amongst other things. So... Uh, maybe another year, they, they, you know, they might try and appeal somebody's decision. But Diallo, to me, he left the decision with a referee, referee with a decision to make, and you know, yeah. And he's a big player, and I think that's a big factor in this game. They like, do have cover, but he's a big, big player. He's just there's no natural like for like replacement. Mm. So I kind of wonder what way the you know, Derry kind of mix up their shape. They mix things up like Shells. You sort of know what to expect for them. Well, Derry sort of end up with like Dumigan, Patrick McElhenney in the middle. Um, uh, I, I thought know. it was very amusing that, that Jack Moylan like, who's going to be key he would haul off like straight away after getting booked for a wild challenge on Barry Cotter who like seemed to be doing like basically kind of um, like taking the piss basically out of the shells lads with his skill and Moylan just had enough and then Tuff just hauled him off straight away it's like this isn't going to happen but you, but you had to know and that was, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what you had to do but um but yeah, like that central area of the pitch is obviously significant, um, you know, to get a degree of control in there, um, because Derry have strength. I mean, they got Michael Duffy in wide areas. Uh, you're playing against a team with wing backs. Sometimes mm. the wing backs are quite positive. There'll be space there to attack him behind them. Um, but like Diallo is just a bit of an all rounder for Derry in that engine room. You know, he just gives them, keeps them ticking over. He's a big mm. presence. You know, he's covers a lot of ground. And um, you know whoever ends up in that sort of that central midfield role, like Shell's probably their strong. Some of the strongest players are obviously Moyle and Shane Farrell, probably operating off Sean Boyd and the movements they make. So um, it's a sort of a it's a significant player to lose from the game and to lose from the the likely the likely story of the game. But let's hear from. Uh, we've got Brandon Kavanagh from Derry and Luke Byrne again roving Johnny and his roving mic it's like the old air sport days when you're at the awards just talking to whoever was walking by sober this time um, well I mean um, I don't know I've heard some of your goal reviews at the time wasn't sure um, but we'll hear from Brandon Kavanagh Jesus, first I'd, I'd love to hear you if you were in my scenario you'd be far far more partisan no than I don't I do, I'm sorry I'm too deadened by years in the media to get that passionate about a football team winning or losing that's the, that's the reality um, very it though. is yeah but that's life um, Brandon Kavanagh is up first and then we'll have a slightly longer chat uh, with Luke Byrne from Shelburne so Brandon Kavanagh of course the, the dub uh, in the Derry ranks Brando what's your experience of the Aviva Stadium pitch um, listen it's a, it's a dream to play here isn't it like it's as a kid it's all you think about and for me to have my family and friends here now on Sunday and obviously I think it's 15,000 Derry fans it's, it's going to be fantastic looking forward to it 
yeah, a little technician like you was kind of made for you, isn't it? Remember Chris Forrest's goal last year? Yeah, I was here, I was watching it. Um, I remember the goal, it was, it was brilliant. It was, it's a great goal, but like, listen, for me, it's you're looking to play a part of it, you know, and hopefully be there. And at the end of the day, with all the lads, if we can win it, it'd be fantastic. That's 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 the result we want. Are you hoping to start, like, because it's obviously such a, you know, you have a deep squad and Diallo's out, but, um, yeah, it's a deep squad, I guess. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of... That's one to twenty. Is the, the quality in there is it's outstanding, you know. So you could pick any of them, and it's not. I'll be just ready to go for Sunday. Yeah. How have the season been for you? Yeah, I found it like really good. You know, when you, you look back, I know I probably haven't scored early in the season, like, but so we were doing so well. You know, we were top of the league for a lot of games, and I think everyone that watched us knew how well we were playing. You know, and we had that little dip then. I think it was in May, like, and then he, he brought a couple of lads in, and we just got stronger by the week in the group we have now. I think. Uh, I think we do good things with. It must be fun actually training with these lads as well. Like there must be, there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, the likes of Mickey Duffy and Patrick McElhenney and all these. I don't know how many times they won the cup. I think it's four or five in the leagues. They've won unlimited um, amount of them, you know. So to have them in the dressing room with us now for Sunday is it's brilliant. Like they'll, they'll be the calm heads. They'll calm everything down and just get us ready to go. You got Rennie will do that anyway, sure. But, um, <laughs> you got you got to look around here though, and at least when you have a quiet moment and Damien Duff's inside and Rory Higgins has been interviewed, that's where you you got to have some vision in your head. I'm scoring the winner here. Yeah, of course. It's uh, where where are those the left the left goal the right goal where where, where any of them it doesn't bother me. It's uh, I don't care if it's a tap in or if yeah. it's a, it's a, if it's a scream or it doesn't bother me. It's uh, who are you gonna run to? I don't know, I don't think I'll be able to see if I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, uh, it'd be an unbelievable moment, but listen, it's, uh, all you can think about is, is lifting that trophy, you know, and hopefully, hopefully we can go and do it. Next season as well must be exciting because you're building. Yeah, you can see the group you have there, like, as I said, it's a young group. It's um, The manager's brilliant, they're driving us on, him and Rennie, you know, every week. They drive us on to be better, and for us, like, obviously, we look forward to next season, but we have a big game on Sunday now to look forward to. Best of luck. Right, thanks very much. <laughs> Luke Byrne, you're actually going to be playing here on Sunday in front of like 35,000 people or whatever, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is, you know, it's um, the stuff of dreams is playing here, leading the team out in the cup final in front of your family and friends. Um, Been lucky enough to play here once, but it was was a friendly for Rovers against Liverpool, so while the crowd was big, it was a totally different atmosphere with nothing really riding on the game, so it will be a new experience to me, but... um, one, you know, I've visualised for a long time and as a team we're, we're prepared for and we're really looking forward to What does captaincy mean to you? Because, like, looking at your various social media feeds or whatever, you're a tight group. Ah, uh, we really are. You know, the manager and the staff, um, credit to them, they've created a very close bond amongst players and staff, the, the best I've ever been a part of. And How does that happen? Um, I mean, like... It's been done from a blank slate, you know, 15 plus new players and coaches. Um, so it's it's happening a really quick period of time. How does it happen, I suppose? Um, I don't know, you know, he's, the manager's created an environment where people can be honest with each other. Um, he's created a trust amongst each other. How exactly he's done that, there's probably no, you know, singular thing. Um, you'd have to ask himself, but they've, they've created it really quickly and... Um, it's made it the most enjoyable year in my career and I know that the lads would say the same. It's uh, a great group to be part of. Obviously, you know, in those difficult moments, pressure moments in games, um, I think that that's when that kind of close bond counts for something. How have you grown in terms of on the pitch? Because I know he spoke at the start about like 
he wanted to dominate the ball that hasn't been possible in a lot of games you've actually defended a lot um, and he seemed to be very solid when you need to be yeah I mean um, you know at the start of the year I suppose um, we kind of learnt our lesson quite quickly even the first game of the season maybe we were a bit naive as players we thought we could be really expansive and um, you know dominate the ball um, but as the season progressed, you know, you can still dominate the ball, but maybe not be as naive. You can be more structured behind the ball, be more organised out of possession, be more organised in possession. Um, there are things that the manager and Joey O'Brien would have um, really worked on with us. Kind of the first time in my career I've really um, understood the importance of, you know, organising your team while you actually have possession. And uh, Explain that, actually. Well, I mean, you know, at the start of the year, you would look at us as a team and often we'd give the ball away in, you know, mid-pitch and that shouldn't necessarily lead to a goal, but a lot of the time it was. And that's because our setup behind the ball was incorrect. You know, even in possession as a defender, you have to be expecting your team possibly to lose the ball. Mm. You have to be in positions to stop counter-attacks. You have to be in positions to cover space. Um, and it's the first year of my career I've really worked on that side of the game in such detail. And I think... I'd say it's the same for a lot of the lads. So I think as the season's gone on, you can see that that is something we've really improved on. Um, and also a lot of players have just come to the fore. You know, Gav Malloy, nobody knew who he was six months ago. Now he's one of the best young players in the league. Jack Moylan's grown. Sean Boyd has been reborn all around the team. You're seeing lads improve and come to the fore at different times in the season. So it's a combination of things, but it's something I would have said early on is that I felt that that was going to happen because it was a new team with a lot of young players and you can't expect everybody to gel and just click straight away and I think as the season's gone on we've we've improved a lot. You start off under Stephen Bradley was it that was your first so like you've worked under you've worked under some of the best management uh, teams I suppose in the league what what is this duo like to work under uh, in terms of coaching and man management? Yeah and look this is not this is no disrespect to anyone else I've ever worked under this is just a my honest opinion it's the it's the best staff I've ever worked under or seen um, I suppose it's just like you know their attention to detail the standards that they demand from me and everything you do you know you can't disrespect any element of the game any element of training everything has an importance there's a reason we do everything um, yeah and it's just that attention to detail you know there's no stone un- left unturned on or off the pitch um, you know that as a staff, you can go to them, whether it's something away from football, and they're going to do their utmost, utmost to help you. And that, I suppose, builds trust. And again, adds to that environment I was talking about, whereby everyone can be honest with each other and demanding of each other. And it's not personal, it's all for the team. And you can have a laugh about it after. So, again, uh, there's a num- number of elements um, as to why I think they're so good. Um, and that, that's just a few of them. It seems like a special time in your life, really. Most enjoyable time in my career, definitely. Um, it's yeah, and look, Sunday is that's what you dream about since you're a kid, leading your team out as a captain at the national stadium to win a cup. And yeah, what more can you say? It's you know you have to remind yourself to enjoy it while you're in it because they don't come around often. Where will Paul Byrne be though on Sunday? That's the main question. If you up there in one two two with uh, all the Burns from all around different you know parts of the country, they've flown in from other countries. So is Sean Boyd a Burn at this stage? He's an adopted burn yeah. himself, and Frank McManus have been adopted by um, my family, I think, recently, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a, a family day, and, like, do you, you, you think you have a chance? You obviously do have a chance. Of course, of course we do, you know, we've beaten them this season. 
had very tight games against them. Uh, late goals. Um, we're very familiar with each other. And, yeah, I mean, look, they'll be the bookies' favour, but we're confident that we can beat them on Sunday. Speaking of the bookies, so last question. Sean Boyd manages to get the winner. What odds he gets booked for taking his shirt off? Um, you're talking one to three, probably. Best of luck on Sunday. Thank you. Like that ending, Dan? The yellow card, one to three for Boydy. Uh, I doubt Boydy wouldn't would, would like it. Did I see Boydy on Instagram flogging a ticket for Kendrick Lamar <laughs> on, the, uh, on the on the 13th, which I think was that the day of the final? It was like, you know, he had this Instagram story of like, you know, black background, white writing. Ticket for sale, Kendrick Lamar, November 13th. And I, I mean, I just, I was just like, I just had to sort of reply, something else on that day? Like, what's actually happening? I mean, did he, did he sort of um, get off the pitch after the semi-final in Waterford and everyone's celebrating? Everyone's like, brilliant. I yes, we're in the Aviva. And then the way home, you sort of, you, know, you get a Google <laughs> oh, calendar no. alert. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> What the hell's happening here? Um, but, um, it's it's a hell of a week for gigs and like uh, culminating in the cup final. Bob Dylan, Pavement, Peter Hook, Bell and Sebastian and Boydie's, uh, who is it again? Eric Lamar? Eric Lamar. What's his name? I think it's Mark Lamar. Mark. From, never mind, it was, no, it was Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar, I've never even Not heard Joe it. Kendrick. He used to play Joe for Drada back in the day. That's right, yeah. Good, good segue, Dan. Um, but yeah, I can just see... I had I had an image of Brandon Kavanagh for some reason just scoring a worldly to win the cup, <clears> um, and it'd be it'd be nice for for that to happen because he's just a lovely technical player. But very very, I hope it's not a kind of a really cagey cup final because I think for all Duffer's talk, they're very very pragmatic the way they approach these games, and they'll probably sit back, and you know I'll be going along with probably a few non-League of Ireland fans. You're always parties trying to sell these. Don't whatever you do, do not crack do not yourself break your this ankle. year. You broke your ankle last year. I, mm. I love telling people for the months after, yeah, he broke his ankle in the cup final. And people are like, oh, he's an athlete. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, he's it's just, a, he was just pissed after the game. Um, I was actually injured from, from playing Astro the week before, but... Um, a yeah. drink or two was imbibed. Yeah, it was a great day out. It's a big day out for the Irish football community to go yeah, for. If you're yeah. from Dublin, go to the game. A lot of the ex-players, like, you know. a lot of the ex-players, and, and sales are going okay. I mean, we're speaking mm. on Wednesday now. Uh, they're trending like not a million miles off last year's game, but obviously Bowes Pats probably had more of a potential for sort mm. of walk up on the day and around it. Um, Derry definitely selling more than shells. Um, shells are probably getting their act together on some of their community stuff. They're probably behind other clubs in this regard. Um, interestingly, I think there might be something next week about funding for um, Dublin clubs for some community work <clears throat> with the help of a Premier League giant. What, what's this about? Yeah. A lot of stories going on in the world mm. at the moment, Johnny, um, and that's something that might that might come out next week. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the cup final. We'll, we'll pour over it in detail next week. Hopefully it's a good day, um, but let's go to the mailbag. What's that you say? It's mailbag time? A big bag of electronic letters? Yeah, the mailbag. Okay, so there's a lot about a couple of stories this week, um, which people might have read on independent.ie. Uh, the new minimum wage coming into the League of Ireland, which has been agreed, it's €430 Euro for a player aged 20 and over, senior full-time professional. Um, for a part-time professional, it's €130. Euro. Um, was meant to be one, or not, it was, the union were looking for 190 in that one, and first division clubs 
um, influential first division clubs were able to get that down to 130 mm. but players have to be paid from the start of pre-season yeah. all the way through to November the 30th and, that, and obviously for some clubs in the first division that could be five or six weeks after the end of your season so that's huge but 130 is maybe lower than what people were negotiating for 430 is actually a little bit higher I think the union were looking for 420 but the Premier Clubs Alliance who would have um, each of these individual decisions the final ones will be made with the Premier Clubs Alliance and the FEI for in, in one instance in the first division clubs okay. and the and, and the FAI and the, the Premier Clubs even put that up to four thirty. So um that would suggest that there's a willingness there um from clubs to do this. But this is <clears throat> a huge change. Like this is a minimum wage. Like this is uh in a league where players were on professional contracts on sort of a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred quid a week. Um I did an interview with Stephen McGuinness about this. People can read that as well. Sort of some strong quotes from him along the lines of, you know, players over the years have like written off millions uh, to help clubs stay alive. Um, they talked about, he, he talked about exploitation of mm. players in his view, that um, you have a situation where in a dressing room you have players earning a sort of a hundreds of, hundreds of sort of, you know, thousands of euro almost next to a, a kid who's on 150 a week. And the way the rules were set up was a club, a young lad in that money, could just be retained on that money. A retention letter will be sent out. There's big changes to the compensation rules as well. Um, it used to be a case that you move at the end of the season and it's be one year's salary. If, if, if your current club wanted to keep you, another club wanted to sign you, but you're out of contract, you wanted to leave, be one year's salary. That would be Andy Lyons yeah. last year. Yeah. A lot of other deals. Now it's actually calculated on the basis of your length of time with a club, your appearances. Uh, so there's all sorts of changes. because There's a lot of things happening like around the league at the moment. Mm. But this minimum wage is a big one. And clearly there are response to it has been very positive from players I don't think bigger clubs are that pushed uh, but obviously well, Finn Harps now yeah. when into first division it's, it's middle um, rank clubs yeah mm-hmm. well I mean are Finn Harps going to be having a full time squad next year full time players I mean they had a lot of part time players anyway who in mm. theory only need to pay 130 quid um, now but you know travel expenses uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on here I mean Stephen McGuinness's line is uh, to introduce a minimum number of professionals to introduce um, you know to introduce sort of a over time, like, uh, you know, to not necessarily in favour of amateur clubs competing at all. And, and that's probably drawn more of a negative response than the actual wage itself. But anyway, to the mailbag, Alan Kenny, with the new wage measures introduced, how are first division clubs that are 500 average crowds meant to be sustainable when the cost of running an LOI club is probably in the region of 500k? Now, again, the thing is with the first division clubs here, they, they can still fill their squads with amateur players. They're just not going to have a chance really of being that competitive. Mm. Treaty did do that this year. Um... Uh, other ones like you know will probably be able to pay players 130 a week um but a club who wants to get promoted like Galway you know who may want to retain a full-time squad well then they're just going to have to pay that 430 to professionals or um you know it might need to smaller squads I think the slight concern in the short term is that well the top players will be fine sort of the middle-ranked players who might be on 700 800 a week 600 mm. 800 they might find that their offers are coming down now and clubs will say well, we have to pay 4.30. Like, I already know of out-of-contract players at clubs who've now been offered this 4.30. Young enough, promising enough players who would previously have probably gotten offered 300, 320. So obviously, that right. needs to come out of the budget elsewhere. But um, there's an element of, like, we were, we were talking about making the league more professional, and this is something that you need to do. I think the club issue would be uh, that this has come in reasonably quickly, um, and also that the FEI for a period of time have been talking about funding coming into the league and then um, it hasn't, that hasn't materialised yet and you keep hearing it's going to come um, 
but there is a sense that like the haves and the have nots gap is is just going to grow here yeah. because like this issue this is an issue for some clubs it's it will be it will for, be for others um, yeah. and this is the thing so um it's significant though mark mccarran the saturday yellow red card was it even a red i mean I, I think i don't think he was that hard done by um Jonathan Rogers, anybody think it'd be a great idea? Clubs could post a first team squad on their website with a little contract expiry date beside it. It would be brilliant, um, but I mean, this no, <laughs> like it, it will never happen. Uh, it will never happen because people don't want to know. Uh, DN seventy seven agrees with you and John Caulfield. So does Owen Tubbert. Um, a lot of comments. Uh, Caitlin Lockton asked about the All Ireland League. Any behind the scenes talks gone very quiet? I haven't heard anything in a while. Similar to the question with the League Cup in 2023. I think another thing about this minimum wage is that you might suddenly find that clubs who wanted a shorter season and like wanted a shorter season to pay for as little as possible no. may now suddenly be in favour yeah, of a longer absolutely. season. But the thing about the terms is that now holiday pay is now factored into mm-hmm. it. Um, and players are now looking, are entitled to four weeks holiday pay. So if there's a longer season, Club, the players still have to get their holiday paid and the mid-season break would be one of those weeks but the others would have to be fit in like this is massive changes like I mean Brexit's the biggest thing that's happened in the last decade but this is uh, a close second in terms of like the impact of it the clubs um, do need some financial help in terms of better payments from above as well because it's very very hard I mean if you're basically reliant on gate receipts at first vision level and you are the likes of Longford Town or Wexford or, or Cove or whatever where does the money come from? And running all the underage teams as well and all the buses and all that, it's a lot of money for a small... It's not a lot of money in the overall scheme of things. For a club like Cove Ramblers, it probably costs a shitload to run It that does. Club. No, and, and no. this is the thing. And there's, and there's no... like there's. Yeah, I, I do have sympathy for those clubs in their position. Mm. However, the flip side is, the counter-argument would be, like all the players under 13, under 15, under 17, under 19 in these underage teams are aspiring to be professional football yeah, totally, they want to yeah. get there and if they get to a stage where they get through all the way to the ladder and it's like well now you're on expenses you're in 100 quid a week and like th- there's no doubt that the idea of clubs giving a lad 100 quid a week and saying they're full-time professional they're not I mean mm. well, they, well technically they're probably being asked to be that full-time professional but 100 I mean, a week. yeah we know the cost mm. of living situation or whatever the flip side of that is then you know is cash culture and all these other things that we know exist as well will mm. this become more prevalent um how will clubs try and get around this um again the sort of oversight and, and how this is managed is almost as interesting as the the innovation itself yeah and what it means uh connor Ruth, i had this dan had a minute by minute account of ian Rhines every thought uh, didn't have every thought when he was uh, in for the Bowes job. But not a whisper about his resignation last week. What happened? I told you to Connor, I was on holidays last week. That's the main uh, short ho- answer. Ho- ho- holiday? Uh, what? Yeah, well, I wasn't actually on holidays. I was, I was at home and actually ended up doing a lot of work. But that's beside the point. I wasn't I, I have so much sympathy for people. Like, I, e- I emailed them and get an out-of-office reply. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Where are you? I'm at home. I'm not like... Yeah. Ronan says, why did Ian Ryan leave? Connor wants to know, listen, Ian Ryan predictions. It's a dangerous game. All I'm saying is... Uh, how do you get to Wexford? It's the N11, is it? It's the N11. You don't drive. It's the N11. It is the N11. A pass is braid. On it. A pass is braid, isn't it? It does. Would anyone work under Devil? I think if Ian Ryan ends up anywhere in the short term, I would, wouldn't be shocked if he was a part of Bray's future. But I haven't committed this to a tweet or to print, but uh, people are asking me what they think will happen. Uh, I don't think he's leaving because he just wants to, um, I don't know, to, you know, just to go in a new direction away from football. Like, you know, Gary Cronin left Longford, but he's got something lined up as assistant, as Bowes. Would you step out of the managerial cycle if there wasn't something potentially happening? 
Um, a lot of people say, oh, you know, it must be Longford. I don't think it's Longford. Good reaction to Sean O'Shea, by the way, um, mm. who was a good guest, I thought, um, that you, you got for a stand. And uh, Rory Higgins actually told me he did his, his pro license, I think, with him and said he did come across as a sound and actually quite impressive guy and interesting to see where interesting to see where he actually uh, ends up, if he does end up in Ireland, what with his male y- connections. Yeah, that's, well, there you go. Um, you're lining things up in your own mind there. And maybe, uh, maybe like I mentioned that sort of Bray thing, but maybe a lot of people, as I said, this is what I said, like the way sometimes the clubs act on managers when they know other people are available. And, and this is the thing, like it's not as clear cut and as dried as it might be. So maybe just a bit of a waiting game to see what would happen in Galway in a few another, cases. Another former guest as well could be in line for a job this week as well. Uh, there are other jobs going Who's around. Who's that? Can't really say, but... Uh, well, that's that's absolutely rubbish. I yeah. mean, like, I mean, like you can't... Like, you, I mean, it's a long for we, job. We've done, 200, job. We've done 250 guess. shows and we've had like, that's around 500 guests. So there uh, you go. He was a guest, it was a he. He was a guest this season and it's long for a Bottle job. job. Who knows? It's Kieran Kildoff, isn't it? No. I was not. No. Shepherd. <laughs> You're not gonna I'm not gonna like just well, I mean, like, like you, Father Todd you, you, listen, on you need like. to get a little bit better at teasing. Um <laughs> Father Noel Noel Smith. I was gonna say something pretty dodgy there. Uh, Derek Kelly, what's the current state of playing the third division? Last year, Father Noel. No, no idea. Pat Mitchell, is there too much of a fixation on the cup final attendance? There was so much talk about how the figure will be lower, blah blah blah. Is it not more important that the clubs are bringing the max of their potential potential fan base? I just couldn't agree less. Uh, no, it's like the FBI have put it in their strategic plan. They're going to sell it out by 2025. It is our flagship Blue Ribbon Day. You can push it to families in the way you can because it's a terrific facility. So it's not the fixation is correct. Like if we can't, if we're talking about the vibrant league and there's great crowds up everywhere. If we can't aspire to getting like 40,000 people to a cup final and, and just say, Asher, there's only, at those clubs are small fan base, so the 17,000, that's fine. Nah. I, 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 don't uh, I would agree. I think it's been one of the greatest things to happen in League of Ireland in my lifetime, anyway, is the resurrection of the FAI Cup. Um, because the FA Cup in England became a bit of an irrelevance. The FAI Cup final is a class day out, and it's great to see events like 12 months ago. That was amazing. People I brought along loved it. Okay, let's stick with the mail back. Okay, we've got a few more things to get so through. But then literally, he was responding to that. It's like it, it's, it's massively important that we get big crowds. It is. Um, Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, why did Pat's players get away with doing a guard of honour for one of their players mid-match tin pot stuff I assume it's the Ian Birmingham reference listen I, I wouldn't lose sleep over that uh, there was a reference to 15 degrees forecast for the day of the cup final I know you are losing sleep over that we're not going to go there um, and then yeah a, a lot of references to the Shell's investment so we have quite a few comments around that again uh, there's a story I would have put out this week that's uh, Sport Republic here with a country behind Southampton. They're the, uh, the primary owners of Southampton. They country? Spent, uh, the, the company. Apologies. I was uh, like, is this another no, Saudi team? Yeah, no, I mean, you were, and you were in favour of that, to be clear. You're on about democratic Galway regimes earlier. I mean, that was the antithesis of what you wanted. Was told to by the board and we'd nothing to lose at the time. Uh, okay. Um, I did not vote for the Coleman's takeover, by the way. Just, yeah, just yeah, put it out there. Oh, yeah, okay. But um, the and, and by the way, Luke Comer has uh, been an amazing uh, backer of Galway United. He's put yeah. a lot of money in. Okay, fair play to him for that. So Shell's um, this company, Sport Republic. It's uh, Rasmus Ankerson and Henrik Kraft, two Danish uh, businessmen. Uh, Ankerson is the guy who was behind the rise of Brentford and Michelin. So the data-driven stuff that um, involved both of those clubs scaling new heights. Brentford to the Premier League. Uh, Kraft is more of a guy who invests in tech companies and telecommunications and a partner with this Serbian um, sort of media mogul, um, Dragon Solak, I think his name is, who like owns a load of radio stations and all sorts of sort of various platforms. And Angerson left um, Brentford uh, to set up his own company last 
uh, last Christmas. Uh, they took over Southampton, paid 100 million for their 80 million, 80% stake. They've since taken over a team in Turkey. They're looking at teams around Europe. And these multi club models are huge. Um, they're taken mm. off, you know, and people know about the Red Bull one, the City Football Group, but there'll be smaller ones as well. Even Andy Pilly at Waterford has a, a stake in, you know, clubs around. And, and uh, you know, the Fleetwood is the parent one in that. It's a smaller version of it. Sport Republic is slightly bigger. I mean, this is, and I'm told this is imminent. This is close. Obviously, until you see it over the line, you want, you know, you, there's always that element of doubt, mm. but I wouldn't have written it if I didn't think this was close. And um, they've been over their games. I think actually they might even with that Shells Rovers game, which is brutal that you were at, but oh, Jesus, um, yeah. they were definitely, they've definitely been around. And uh, I think it's not a case of just give us some money, um, which I think is a pitch that some other people would put out there, just give us some money. It's more, Shells have a little bit of a strategy on paper. They've got this American investment earlier in the year. They've got a men's, a women's team. They've got a little bit of a vision and clearly they've managed to get off on the right foot that there's a bit of alignment around it. Now, what it proves to be, what does it mean? I think, you know, I'm sure people are looking at the conference league. There's no doubt about that. And, and, Obviously, only one team can win the league and get into that champions route. So there's always that slight fear of, well, what's realistic here? But these are sort of not. I know that we've spoken before about investors coming in and they sound great on paper, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait a minute, they've given this to their dad, you know, and uh, this has all gone a bit mad. But I don't think that this is there. These are a little bit more uh, of a stable operation in that respect. But they're you know they're they're early days. But I think it's I think it's. Like, there's no doubt the Shells as a Dublin club and their location there's a lot of things that are attractive about them on paper oh, yeah. you know men's women's Duff. team yeah Duff as well but I think it's, it goes beyond that so um, yeah I mean Keith Nutley asks is there you know why should Shells fans be cynical about this Southampton story you should always be cynical in life um, you know and in Irish football you have to have a healthy cynicism but this is promising and um I think um, it's not some big feeder club thing either. I don't think yeah. there's that sense. I don't think the, the, people keep talking. It's going to be a feeder club, as though, as though like Irish players have such a heavy price tag put on them that you no, know, we'll take over a club that'll be easier. That'll save us having to pay X amount for like you know a clause on Gavin Bazuna or something like that. I mean, it's. We're not we're not producing a factory of players that you're going to make a saving. It's about more than that. It's about alignment of their sort of these multi club models. I'm sure to be moved with the players and various elements in people's minds. Um, but it's not a case of we're coming in to get our hands on the best Irish kids. I mean, shells can't even guarantee that they can get hold of the best Irish kids. So that's that's not the case. Um, big story to be fair. Big story. It's uh, significant. And yeah, we have a few more references about it. people just want us to talk about that. How much is Duff's war chest this next season? I think this will help their budget. There's no doubt about that. I think um, Shells would have been making inquiries about players as every club is over the last couple of weeks and months. They're in a slightly better place now without it being something that's like they're not going to suddenly become a sort of a, a Bramovich area Chelsea or something. Mm. As I said, it needs to be completed but I think it gives them a lot more security if this goes through. It's a seven-figure investment across a number of years um so uh, a few questions about do you think Stephen Bradley as in the, the the footballer the current player Scottish one will re-sign for Dundalk I see that Hibs are letting him go yeah. that's the one where like I think other clubs will be right onto that as well because he's proven he can play in the league uh, what's the story with Burton Coote um I've heard Coote has a bit of interest in his contract is still up 
Uh, I'll probably just have to do more transfer rumours in my newsletter this week because there's a lot of that going around. I don't necessarily have a chance to go into it here. How many filters did Johnny throw in that photo? That's one of you at Rory Patterson. It looks no, good. Uh, really? Is that no, natural? No, that, that, and it was great. Paul Mladd, um, oh. uh, ex-Goi United, now uh, FAI, who took that photo. I should have given him credit. Um, yeah, so Paul Mladd took that and uh, it was an enjoyable shot with yeah, the Yeah, yeah. A few more references to guards of honours and stuff. And all. Again, I think if there was uh, if there was game, if there was points, like serious stuff at stake, last Sunday I don't think that would have been happening I mean great crowd if, in if that was the case Ian Birmingham wouldn't, wouldn't have been on the pitch you know, four and a half thousand for a dead so. rubber yeah no, no, you, you forget. And, and sorry that, that actually came out of the cup final as well yeah. the Pats cup final crowd has definitely spawned the much has helped the much bigger kind of crowds that have turned up yeah Pats are getting way bigger crowds this there, there's more tin pot issues in this league than guards of honour there's tin pot issues such as tin pot stance in a in, in that league. was there, bizarre that could have that could have caused a that serious issue and like that could have been a massive story and again like there's a reference there to you know do you think like people think sometimes we go on too much about stadiums and facilities and all this but I mean it is everything like it is everything like they had to evacuate a stand during a game in 2022 because it was there wasn't like there was 10,000 people in it or there was a crush there was 350 to 400 people in it and as far as I know there was an issue that the Limerick uh, the treaty Waterford game the previous week oh, uh, yeah. but this incident this flashpoint that occurred was in a different part of the stand like there's photos going around of last week this was in a different part so clearly there's so many problems there that like it's not you know what I mean um so the market field needs like, to be developed. I don't our know stadiums story, are just our stadiums uh, are just are just they're just not fit for purpose, you know. Um, and that's like you know strategic plans and all this stuff that the FA have planned. There's so much to do, and like this minimum wage and everything ties into it. It's like like you know clubs are having demands put on them, and like I think it's reasonable to have standards and criteria. Uh, and now there's a criteria being put in that area, but you have to put like criteria in other in other areas, and like. I don't know. You get, uh, people, people get annoyed you go on about stadiums and stuff. But no, like, we, we'll enjoy the cup final on Sunday because you, you can go to the game and yeah, you might be looking to see what's the crowd like and, and various things. And very sometimes, sometimes you get distracted by that, but it's mm. the game and the focus is on the game. And yes, cup finals aren't always classic, but still the, the discussion, the focus is around the game. Whereas, and, and I think like for uh, you know a, a parent who brings their kids, they have so much fewer things to worry about. They go to the cup final and all those things are guaranteed there'll be toilets there'll be safety there'll be this there'll be that and then you can watch the match but there's so many places you go to where they have to think about a million different things Dan, our facilities are laughable in the league no, they're a joke laughable. And, and, and laughable. maybe, maybe it, it's it, just it, a, it, and it's, it's a country where nothing ever gets done and it, t- it costs millions to do anything but it's laughable yeah. um, and it, it was just a, an amusing anecdote to finish up it was like after this septic into the game in Markets Field go into uh, the male toilet and there's an ad for condoms as if to say we want birth control in the League of Ireland because this is a fucking grim experience at times going around following a team like this for the last 25 years. Don't want to bring kids into it anymore. That was that was my take from the markets field as well as the fact that it's totally ill-suited for purpose like many of the grounds in this country. I, I just, I think, Johnny, like, you're turn 40 on Friday and I feel like you're in the grips of some kind of midlife crisis. I, I mean, probably you know, am. It's, it's uh, called Galway United. It's difficult, yeah. Practice. I mean, I, uh, feel, anyway. I feel like we have to do the quiz. Um, yes. I, I mean, we should we haven't really got like Ollie Horgan leaving Finn Harps. I mean, the longest serving manager. I mean, I was just thinking the other day in the lifespan of our podcast, we've Ollie Horgan has always been the Finn Harps manager. Stephen Bradley has always been the Shamrock Rovers manager as the caretaker uh, in 2016 when he started and Ollie Horgan is gone and it's a seismic change. I think 
it ended badly, but he'll be remembered incredibly fondly. Um, yes. But um, where they go from here, yeah, again, maybe they'll be looking at Waterford UCD results and what do you what's what do you aim for next season and stuff. And clearly, you're hoping that they get work in their stadium. They're peaking in 2024. And like it's a bit like Bowes now with this Daily Man plan. They're going to be moving out for a couple of years again, it seems. And that obviously, it's a weird time that you're kind of thinking you want to be in a really great place when you're getting into that, that new season in there. Um, and maybe with Harps there's an element of that but the mm. quiz last week's quiz was name the team or fittingly enough there's one more first divisions than anyone else the answer is Drawda the winner is Kieran, Kieran Hartnett. Hartnett and this week's question I was actually thinking I might even have done this congratulations Kieran you will have four Porterhouse breweries coming four Porterhouse beers coming your yeah way. you won't have breweries coming your way <laughs> That's, uh, our budget isn't that big um, and yes this week's question I might even have done this question before um, but we've done a lot of them uh, can people name the former uh, guest who is in line to no no can job. people uh, I'm thinking of all our guests now it's not Aidan McNillis from uh, Harps is it um, no it's unlikely uh, can people name the goal sc- the scorer of the winning goal the last time Derry City won the FEI Cup who was the match winning hero the last time Derry won but um, who do you think wins uh, I feel like the, the Derry uh, pressure will eventually pay off maybe Derry after extra time though um, and Michael uh, Duffy will thrive I, I in that big pitch so um, yeah I'm going to go for that but uh, we'll be back next week to pour over that and as we said by the way it started the show I right that was old. I at the was start of the show I, start, I just remember it started you said it's our third last show and then last week you said it was our like next week is our second last show that's because we've decided we're going to do some kind of like Christmas special because a lot of things happen in this league uh, so it's not like you, you slept through an episode that it didn't happen we will have we'll be back next week to sort of pour over the cup and it's our last one maybe in studio uh, plan the trip to Trinidad next year we'll this do is, uh, so, we'll do some kind of we'll do some kind of end of season wrapping Christmas time to do all deal with all our moves but our main move now is to finish this show and if you are a League of Ireland fan get along on Sunday to the FEI Cup final we'll talk to you next week